Good morning and welcome to Sharper Iron. Spend the next hour with us studying the living and active Word of God, His two-edged sword of law and gospel, recorded for you in Holy Scripture, all about Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, and ascended for you. Thanks for tuning in this morning here on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. I'm your host, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Sharper Iron is underwritten by the Lutheran Church Extension Fund, where your investments help support the work of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Visit lcef.org for more information. On this Friday, October 2nd, we are studying Proverbs chapter 21, verses 1 through 31. The wisdom that the Lord gives is centered in his righteousness and justice. The righteousness and justice that he gives to us by grace through faith in Christ. To help us sharpen our faith in Christ as we study God's Word today, we have with us regular guest, Pastor Jacob Dandy. Pastor Dandy serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Pastor Dandy, welcome back to Sharper Iron. Hey, how you doing? It's good to be back. Pastor. Yeah, glad to, glad to have you here to talk about Proverbs. It's a bit of a different study than we normally do here on Sharper Iron, but it's been a lot of fun going through this book with our guests, seeing the various pieces of wisdom that Solomon has for us, that our Lord has for us, in fact. So as we get started this morning, Pastor Dandy, just, you know, the question of context isn't quite the same as it normally is, but it is helpful just to know a few things about wisdom literature, Proverbs, this section in general. What what would you have us know as we prepare to look at Proverbs 21 today? Uh, Yeah, so... When you're thinking about the proverbs, uh, there, I would like. I, I think there's a couple of just general ideas that you should have in your head when approaching proverbs uh, and and reading proverbs, uh, especially this section, chapter ten and following, where you just kind of have these verse by verse uh, sayings of wisdom. Um, uh, and maybe the first thing and the most important thing that we should regard and and reading the book of Proverbs is that uh, uh, it's Christological. Uh, it's it's when it talks about wisdom and uh, wisdom incarnate, wisdom calling out, um, uh, wisdom put into action. Uh, uh, the the first thing that we should think about is that's Jesus, right? Um, yeah, Jesus is the wisdom of God made flesh. Jesus is God's wisdom uh, put to work and put to action, uh, you know, just as much as Jesus is the mercy and the grace of God put to work. He is the wisdom of God. Uh, and so uh, that that's one thing that we, we must hold approaching this. But then I think God also gives us the Proverbs um, uh, so that we can know how to deal with a fool, um, and that's really what this section is going to be about, uh, is, you know, how do you deal with a fool? How do you avoid foolishness? How do you recognize foolishness? Uh, and, and what does foolishness manifest in life, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, God loves to give us examples of things, uh, uh, especially in the book of Proverbs, but uh, throughout the entire Old Testament, he gives us examples um of, of, well, first of all, he gives us examples of Jesus, right? Uh, and we see that in kind of the uh, types and shadows of, of Jesus. Uh, so we have King David as a type of Christ, or um, we have uh, Joseph in the book of Genesis forgiving his brothers after his suffering. That's a type of Christ. Um, and I talked to a pastor once, uh, and we were kind of talking about the subject, and uh, he likened it to uh, trying to convince his sons of what a nice girl it is, so that one day they can marry a nice girl. 
right? And so they'd be out um, with family friends, or they'd be out in public or in a church gathering, and he would go up to one of his sons and he'd say, there's a nice girl, right? And he's not doing that because he wants his sons to date that girl or marry that girl or anything like that. He just wants his sons to be able to recognize what a nice girl is, right? Mm. Uh, And God does the same thing um, for Christ in the Old Testament, where he he points out, hey, um, these are qualities of Christ that you could look for. These are things that you can see in Jesus. Uh, These are things that you should look for in the coming Messiah. Uh, And he he sets those out uh, so that the people of God can recognize the Christ when he comes. But he also then gives us examples of, of sin. He gives us examples of folly uh, so that we can recognize that and, and that we can avoid it. And so there's this kind of twofold nature to the book of Proverbs as we're looking through the Proverbs, um, you know, and it, it's really law and gospel uh, is that, uh, you know, what's, what does wisdom, what does righteousness, what does faithfulness look like? Well, the Proverbs are going to describe that to you. Uh, but then also, what does sin, uh, what does evil, what does foolishness look like, and, and what does it uh, uh, manifest in life? Well, the Proverbs are going to tell you. And so in this section, um, in chapter 21, that's, that's really what we're going to get. We're going to get examples of foolishness um, and foolish behaviors, particularly, and we're going to see how those foolish behaviors um, create problems. Um, how these foolish behaviors uh, um, uh, contradict God's will or bring a person under God's judgment. Mm. Um, And then we're going to get a few examples of the righteousness of God in the midst of it all. Let's see how it plays out then. In Proverbs chapter 21, I'll read about half the text for us on this side of the break, beginning at verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the heart. To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. Haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. The getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a snare of death. The violence of the wicked will sweep them away, because they refuse to do what is just. The way of the guilty is crooked, but the conduct of the pure is upright. It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no mercy in his eyes. When a scoffer is punished, the simple becomes wise. When a wise man is instructed, he gains knowledge. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. Whoever closes his ear to the cry of the poor will himself call out and not be answered. A gift in secret averts anger, and a concealed bribe strong wrath. When justice is done, it is a joy to the righteous, but terror to evildoers. One who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. All right, I'm going to pause there on this side of the break. That's verses 1 through 16 here in Proverbs chapter 21. Pastor Danny, we'll just start with verse 1, which brings up one of the, quote, characters in the book of Proverbs. We've seen the king a lot in the book of Proverbs. Here he is in verse 1. The king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it 
wherever he will. What's going on in verse one? That's some interesting imagery we've got here. Yeah, yeah. Well, and so you you think about this. Uh, you know, uh, it, it takes a lot to be able to. Uh, first of all, it takes a lot to be able to direct the flow of a river, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, we we human beings, we those those are some of our greatest feats of engineering and world history is to direct the flow of a river, change the course of a river, put up a dam, put up dikes, all these other things uh, to make the water flow the way that we want it to. Um, and this is, this is really one of the, um, one of those things, especially probably in the ancient world, you can't really direct the flow of a river. And, and you think about uh, then also uh, the resolve of a king, right? Um, or the resolve of the king. Right. If a person, it, 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 well, for think about it this way: the king, the king is going to do what he wants. Yes. Right. Um, the king is going to uh, uh, exercise his authority um, in the manner that he sees fit. And and so this proverb, it, it, it's a reminder, um, first and foremost, that those who hold that office of king, uh, that those who who do have this responsibility to wield power and authority, um, do so, uh, are, are to do so according to the will of God, right? Um, they are to do so according to the work of God, the will of God, their calling before God, their vocation as king before God. Um, and so we can see here uh, that there there is this this power and authority that God has even over uh, those ruler and authorities who would exercise power over us, right? Uh, that he has this authority over kings, he has this authority over the ones who rule, um, and he directs, um, uh, or he should at least, direct the will of their heart. Now, w- when we think about the king's heart here, um, you know, of course, I, I, want, I like to read uh, these, these portions where you hear about the king, um, uh, Christologically, uh-huh. uh, and uh, when you hear about a righteous king, especially uh, Christologically, that you have this king uh, whom God directs the will of his heart, and and when I reflect on that, you know, this this unmovable stream of water that is men's hearts um, being directed by the will and the word of God, I think about um, verses in the uh, New Testament like John six. Um, 38, where it says, where Jesus says, I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me, right? That, that, that the will of Christ is the Father's will. The will of Christ is to do what his Father has commanded him. Or, or John 15, Tim, uh, uh, it says, uh, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Uh, or even, you know, you have Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, right, where Jesus is praying, and he falls on his face to the ground, and he says, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Right. So we have uh, King Jesus, um, whose heart is is profoundly and perfectly directed by the will of the Father. Um, that the, the Jesus is the, the will of Yahweh uh, put to work, uh, that Jesus is doing the will of God the Father here on earth, and um, what's the will of God the Father but to forgive the sins 
of many. Uh, the will of God the Father is to redeem us from sin, death, and the devil's power. Um, but also then, um, uh, uh, reading it Christologically, but also just reading it on this kind of horizontal, earthly level, um, I think we should take comfort from this as well. Um, as people who who maybe uh, have a more fair and just society than people have in the past, but still uh, live under fallen earthly leaders, um, we also can have um, maybe the comfort of knowing that even if we have uh, fallen and broken uh, people ruling over us, God is still in charge. Um, God still directs the work and the flow of 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 the movement of government, the the use and exercise of power in this world. And though um, uh, kings and rulers may do something unjust, uh, they're it's because they're kicking against the goads, right? They're 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 raging against the will of God, uh, and God stands as judge over that. Uh, and God still rules over all the world. Uh, and we remember in the Ascension that uh, Jesus rules over all creation, right? Uh, Jesus rules at the right hands of the Father um, uh, for the good of his church uh, to execute righteousness and just, uh, justice uh, uh, until his return, uh, that we might believe God, uh, Jesus rules over his church, uh, that the gospel might be proclaimed. Uh, and that that we might be saved and have forgiveness in Him, uh, and so uh, even as there might be uh, earthly kings and rulers that uh, uh, kick against the goads, swim against the current, maybe I'm trying to think of something that fits in with that 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 river analogy. Um, uh, we see that Jesus is still the King over all creation, who rules us uh, perfectly and rightly. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and perfectly according to the will of his father. Mm. That that's a wonderful connection to the ascension of our Lord. I I really I really think that we as Christians, particularly today, I suppose it's always true, but particularly today, in the midst of an election season, we would do well to meditate upon and rejoice in our Lord's ascension more and more in these days, uh, precisely for what you're bringing out here, which is is definitely there in in Proverbs 21 that. Well, the Lord is the king of even kings. And so that when when we do see our kings, our rulers, attempt to swim upstream from what the Lord would will, that the Lord is powerful enough to turn that stream. And 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 I think that's I mean that is a comfort to us as you said. I I think there's there's this is a theme that we've seen elsewhere in Proverbs that the Lord and I think it fits in very well with chapter 21 that Well, let's see, maybe to put it positively, verse three, to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. That this matter of righteousness and justice, this is what the Lord is looking for when it comes to the way of wisdom. And that when it doesn't happen, the Lord knows what's going on and he will do something about it. Even if he doesn't do it today, he will do something about it. And and for that, that's there, for example, in our text in verse 12. The righteous one observes the house of the wicked. He throws the wicked down to ruin. And so, I mean, it's it's certainly true of kings, and we should take comfort in that. And it, I mean, it, it trickles down to every level of person, whether you are a king or slave. This this applies to you. Yeah, 
Yeah, and you know, what you just mentioned kind of made me think of uh, Psalm 26, right? Um, uh, I just I just read this uh, maybe two or three days ago, but it's the, the Vindicate me, O Lord, hmm. for I have walked in my integrity. I have trusted the Lord without wavering, right? Where um, uh, God God is aware. <laughs> yes. God is aware of, like you say, of, of maybe injustice and unrighteous behavior. God is aware um, uh, when uh, the, the world rails against him and his church. Um, and and that the church can enter into this prayer of, Vindicate me, O Lord, um, for we have walked in faith. Vindicate us, for we are justified. Uh, and the, the faith and the justification that we cling to is good. Um, and we trust in the Lord. We trust that you, O oh Lord, will will take care of the situation. Uh, and I think I think you're very right um, that that God does love righteousness. God does love justice. Um, and you know what what we see here throughout this section is um, you have some uh, theses that embody uh, righteousness, um, and then you have some antithesis, uh, antith- antith- and antithetical statements, I guess, is that the word I'm trying to find, uh, that that show us that, yes, there there are fools, there is sin, there is evil, and there is injustice, the unjust behavior um, going on in the world today. Um, and so I, when God says uh, in verse 3 uh, that the Lord loves righteousness and justice, that's acceptable to the Lord, um, uh, now he starts saying, so... So here's what you need to avoid, and that's when we start getting into the, the following voices. Um, uh, here's some things to avoid. Here's some things that are good. Um, bear these in mind as you as you pursue these things. Uh, on the same note, we we do know that our our righteousness is Jesus alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cling to that and say, for sure. And I I think that's where you know, for example, verses two and three. I mean, I think they fit right in with that that the righteousness that is ours is the righteousness that is ours by faith you know every way yes, of a yeah. man is right in his own eyes but the lord weighs the heart so so the lord is the one looking at the heart the heart that can only be justified through faith in christ verse 3 that to do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the lord than sacrifice so even if i'm going through the the outward motions of the sacrifice, that it is the righteousness and justice that the Lord gives to me in Christ. That is what makes my heart right and acceptable to, to him. Or to put yeah. it to put it into the language of Proverbs, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That all of this outward righteousness and justice is important. But for Christians, it has to start with the fear of the Lord. And, and there's several verses here in this section, verse 3 being one of them, that I think fit right into that. That if, if you aren't starting with the fear of the Lord, don't, don't think that you're going to somehow you know, get through okay. You, you have to start yeah. with that. And if you don't, then that outward work, well, that's not going to do it. It has to start with the fear of the Lord. Yeah, and, and I think that theme of the fear of the Lord um, and con- uh, uh, that, that is born out of the heart of the believer, um, or that's born out of the Word of God being proclaimed into the heart of the believer, um, right, um, uh, is, is given a really great contrast throughout this section where it talks about the heart and the soul of the wicked, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in verse 4, you get that. 
that you get the uh, uh, haughty eyes and a proud heart, the lamp of the wicked, are sin, right? Where where the Christian, uh, uh, the, the believer, uh, is, is guided by and lives in a fear of the Lord. Um, uh, the, the Christian lives by faith, and, and God judges the hearts of men. Um, we see that um, the, the and, and that is the, the, the thing that uh, is, you know, to steal from Psalm 119, that is uh, uh, the, the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path, right? Uh, that we have faith in God's Word, uh, we have faith in God's promises, and that guides and directs every single thing we do. It lightens our path so that we do not stumble and fall. Uh, it guides and directs the ways that we go in life. But then we have um, the heart of the wicked. Uh, and, and the heart of the wicked uh, also has a lamp. It lights the path, uh, but it illumines the path to not um, pursue the righteousness that God calls us toward, uh, and it doesn't lighten the path towards faith and fear of the Lord, but it lightens the path toward sin, right? And you see that in verse 4, where the, that haughty eye and proud heart, that's the lamp, uh, and that's sin. Uh, and, and, of course, we know that with sin comes judgment, with sin comes destruction, right? Uh, and so... Uh, uh, these proverbs are kind of working with each other to to uh, put together a comparison or a contrast between uh, um, uh, the king, uh, his will, his way, God's righteousness, fear of the Lord, and then folly and sin and evil and and uh, uh, rebellion and selfishness. Um, and all these other, and, you know, this, this long list of proverbs that we have here uh, that, that kind of deal with a whole bunch of different topics in life, from uh, honesty to charity to love to marriage, um, uh, uh, and how these things bear out um, outside of the fear of God. Let's just pick up one of those topics then, those variety of topics that we've got today for this side of the break. We just got a couple minutes here before we, we come up to that break. Let's let's pick up with the matter of diligent work. That's there in verse five is the next one for us. The mm-hmm. plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who is hasty comes only to poverty. So we can and we can pick this up on the other side too, because there's more verses in the rest of the text. But at least get us started with just a couple minutes here before our break on this conversation concerning diligent work. Yeah, um, that I, you know, uh, and this this goes back maybe even to creation itself, right? That uh, uh, God has created human beings to. Uh, tend to the earth, right? Um, that's not the sole purpose that we've been created for, but that's 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 built into the DNA of what it means to be human. Um, uh, that that human beings, and and really, um, it's built into the DNA of of being part of the image of God. That we we have vocations, right? Uh, in the same way that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit act. Uh, vocationally in that um, uh, triune relationship uh, that they, they all bear, those three distinct persons, um, we bear um, our vocation in this life that, that God has given us callings instituted by him to do. Um, and uh, those, those callings uh, 
require our effort and our work. They require uh, diligence and um, uh, uh, effort and planning and uh, um, uh, uh, success and failure and all these other things. Right, and so as we as we bear that in mind as Christians, um, uh, we we know that, and we hear from this that you know perhaps we shouldn't be um, uh, slack and lazy uh, in going about our vocations because that does create problems in this life. Um, uh, that does create uh, weak marriages, financial struggles, suffering congregations, misled children, uh, you know, um, uh, marital uh, strife, parental strife, relational, all sorts of relational strife, right, uh, that flow forth from us uh, not uh, putting forth effort uh, to, to live out our vocation safely. Um, but then also that uh, you know, there's this kind of general rule that comes from from the fall that uh, Adam is told by the sweat of his brow he will make he will grow his food that he will come across his bread, uh, and that uh, because of the fall and the sin we aren't just happily walking around the garden uh, picking whatever fruit we'd like and being sustained uh, to the fullest that God does now demand as this result of the fall uh, that we are diligent and and making provision for ourselves, uh, and for us as men, making provision for our family and loved ones. Uh, and, and when we slack on that, um, uh, of course, uh, people suffer. Uh, but when we are diligent and, and working hard to provide for our families, um, well, we're blessed. Uh, uh, not, and that's not a universal rule, but uh, it certainly does help, <laughs> right? Mm. Uh, right, and I think I think this conversation also relates because you brought up vocation and this matter of being diligent. That that to be diligent as opposed to being hasty, as it is there in in verse five, mm-hmm. or to be diligent as opposed to uh, being lazy. We've we've had the sluggard who's shown up other places in the book of Proverbs. That to be diligent is to recognize that the Lord works through means. I mean, you you brought up vocation, and and that when. When I engage in diligent work, that is me engaging in what God has given to provide for me, rather than ignoring those means that he's given and simply either putting him to the test or, or somehow just, you know, I, I don't want what he's given. Rather, this matter of diligent mm-hmm. work trusts what the Lord has given that he will provide through that diligent work. And even if it doesn't, you know, work out perfectly, right, these are these are Proverbs not promises, as, as another yes. guest has said, that they don't always come out exactly like they say, but that this is the way that God has designed life. And so we, we put our trust in the one who's given it to us. And and we're going to need to take our, our break with that, Pastor Danny. We may come back to it with a couple other Proverbs on the other side of the break. You're listening to Sharper Iron here on KFUO. Please stick around.
Since 1978, Lutheran Church Extension Fund has had the humble privilege of supporting Lutheran Church Missouri Synod Ministries and her workers. Thanks to faithful investors, LCEF has provided thousands of church workers, congregations, schools, and organizations with the low-cost loans and resources they need to reach more people with the saving name of Christ. To learn more, visit lcef.org or call 800-843-5233. Welcome back to Sharper Iron. It is Friday, October 2nd. We're studying Proverbs chapter 21, verses 1 through 31. We've got Pastor Jacob Dandy with us. He serves at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California. Just a reminder, if we miss one of the Proverbs that you wanted to hear more about, call the listener comment line at 314-996-1542. Leave a message there with what proverb you want to know more about or send an email with that same message to KFUO at KFUO.org. I'll be recording some short bonus podcast material on those Proverbs that we receive so that you can have your faith in Christ sharpened. Pastor Dandy, we left off in verse 17. That's where I stopped reading. So I'm going to go ahead and read the rest of the text for us, and we'll continue our conversation. Sounds good. Whoever loves... Whoever loves pleasure will be a poor man. He who loves wine and oil will not be rich. The wicked is a ransom for the righteous and the traitor for the upright. It is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scales the city of the mighty and brings down the stronghold in which they trust. Whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Scoffer is the name of the arrogant, haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. All day long he craves and craves, but the righteous gives and does not hold back. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination, how much more when he brings it with evil intent. A false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. A wicked man puts on a bold face, but the upright gives thought to his ways. No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. That's the end of our text for today. It was verses 17 through 31 here in Proverbs chapter 21. So Pastor Dandy Prior to the break, we were talking about the matter of diligent hard work as the gift from God. And you were mentioning that when we don't engage in that, that problems can come up in any number of places in our lives, one of them being our family. And this, too, is a theme that Solomon picks up here in chapter 21. He picks it up twice in a rather memorable way. In verse 9, he says, It is better to live in a corner of the housetop than in a house shared with a quarrelsome wife. So it's better to, to sit on the corner of your roof where you're about to fall off than it is to live inside with the quarrelsome wife. In this half of the sec- of the text, you get verse 19, it is better to live in a desert land than with a quarrelsome and fretful woman. So family life is another one of those spots where wisdom makes a big difference. Yes, yeah. And, you know, so... and. Really, whenever we as Christians read a verse or, or think about the subject of marriage, it, it's always a very loaded subject, right? Because um, this is how um, often Christ uh, talks. To, well, first we have, of course, the order of creation. I don't, I don't want to get too far too quick. Where we have the order of creation where God 
builds creation into marriage. It is one of those essential vocations um, upon which uh, the, the vocation of spouse, upon which God uh, has has built the church, built society. I mean, when we we think about maybe what Luther calls the three estates. Um, that we all live in, you know, you, you have, uh, on, on one end, you have the church, uh, and this is the estate of the church, that's the kingdom of grace, right? On the, um, uh, right side of it, the far other, or the far other direction of it, you have, um, uh, the, uh, estate of the civil realm, right? Where we, we have our commerce, our work, our government, um, our citizenship, all of that. But the thing that is kind of nestled in between those two and holds everything together is the estate of the home, right? It's the family. And, and this ultimate building block of the family, uh, is, is marriage. And, and marriage is something, um, uh, that we, oh, especially what we see in this, uh, proverb, uh, is, is something that requires, um, uh, consideration. Wisdom, effort, patience—all uh, of these things as as we live as God's children and as we live as Christians. Uh, and so, what what I would say uh, when we look at these two verses, um, they stand first as a warning, um, but then second uh, as a uh, commandment, right? Because uh, I, I like verse nine a lot. Because when you look at verse 9, you see that the man, yeah, he'd rather sit on the edge of the roof of his house than be with a quarrelsome wife. But you notice what he hasn't done? Hmm. He hasn't abandoned the house, right? Um, and so uh, first and foremost, you see that uh, this man is, is going to—we're uh, still called, even if the spouse is quarrelsome, uh, we're still called— uh, to our vocation and duty towards this estate of the home, uh, which is so uh, very important. But then um, also along with that, I, I think that we really ought to, when considering the person we're going to marry, um, and, you know, I don't think there's a prescribed age that we should get married. I think you should be an adult, um, but, uh, or, or a prescribed point in life or anything like that where you've, uh, you know, I think our society pushes, um, uh, people to be a little bit too financially independent before they get married and stuff like that. And so they forestall marriage till after college and have a job and bought the house. Then I get married. I think that's, not necessarily the most healthy tact and approach to take towards marriage. It's a gift. But also, I, I would say that we also don't want to encourage people to enter into marriages inadvisably. Uh, and especially, we as the Church um, ought to encourage people to enter into marriage with uh, those who share uh, our common Christian faith. Um, too often, uh, as a pastor, you, know, you come across these situations where this young person has gone off to college, come back to church, um, uh, and has decided they want to get married, um, but this person uh, does not share the same views of church, this person doesn't share the same uh, views of the Christian life, um, um, or if they do, they're of a different fellowship, and I think that breeds contention in the household as well. And so um, I think there's this, this warning not to enter into marriage uh, inadvisably, 
um, uh, not to enter into a relationship with a spouse that will be quarrelsome, especially as it pertains to your faith, right? Um, that uh, you, you seek a spouse that will, will uh, uh, seek agreement with you over uh, matters of faith and life and righteousness, uh, but then also uh, that you, uh, uh, if you are in a contentious marriage, um, if you are in a marriage where you and your spouse are constantly bickering and arguing, you uh, um, uh, take into mind that uh, the, the man who is sitting on the edge of his house avoiding his wife because he doesn't want to fight with her hasn't left the house. Uh, uh, and maybe you think of this in light of uh, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, where Paul says to the married, I give this charge, not I but the Lord, that the wife should not separate from her husband. But if she does, she should remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband, and the husband should not divorce his wife. Uh, to the rest I say, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. Uh, if any woman has a husband who is an unbeliever and consents to live with her, she should not divorce him. Right, that we uphold the institution and the sanctity of marriage, um, because that is something that God has built into creation. And so, um, uh, uh, this this proverb does not say, "Hey, men, if your wife annoys you, run away." Right? That's that's definitely not what we say. Uh, but um, but for men to seek reconciliation uh, with their spouses, uh, for men and women to seek spouses that share their faith, right? Um, uh, and uh, for for seek spouses that they they have uh, common agreement on when it comes to righteousness and the Word of God, I think those are very important things to bear in mind. Mm. And then finally, uh, the last point I want to make is that uh, uh, when we think about this passage, uh, uh, we have to remember that uh, very often we as Christians, we as the church as a whole, um, uh, are that contentious wife. Um, uh, and, and what I mean by that is that uh, we, we have the order of God's redemption uh, as Christ binds himself to the Church, uh, uh, makes her pure and holy. Uh, uh, we are rebellious, nasty, terrible sinners, and yet Christ makes us right before him uh, so that we're presented before him pure and undefiled, forgiven of all our sins. He clothes us in his righteousness. And I think that's maybe also a mindset that we can bear in our own marriages, that uh, the institution of marriage is upheld uh, the same way that the Church is upheld, and that is through the forgiveness of sins. I appreciate the way you, you brought those various items out, particularly the matter that the man is still on the housetop. He, he hasn't left. Mm-hmm. You know, the, both of these verses give you an observation about yeah. what life would be like with a quarrelsome wife but they don't really tell you what to do about it, not here. And so you, you rightly directed us to other places in Scripture. Uh, rightly, I mean, consider these things before you actually get married. And and then when you are married, how do you, well, what do you what do? You do? And, and 1 Corinthians 7 is one of the, the classic passages to look at. Ephesians chapter 5 is a great passage to look mm-hmm. at when it comes to what, how husbands and wives live together in love. You know, the one of the, the probably most neglected parts of the small catechism deals with this, the table of duties. You know, we, we focus on those Absolutely. six chief parts, and, and rightly so. But sometimes we forget, well, there's also daily prayers that come after that. And then there's the table of duties, which lay out, you know, how do husbands treat their wives? How do wives 
treat their husbands and among other things. And, and that's where the book of Proverbs will often do this. It, it will make this observation about life in general and then lead us to the rest of Scripture that we might flesh out the details of what that means to engage in the wisdom that God has given here in the matter of of marriage. So, so very very helpful there. Let's let's pick up another topic here from this section. Oh, let's see. What what do you want to? Where do you want to go, Pastor Dandy? I'll, I'll let you decide. Well, I, I think there's also been uh, in this in this section. There's quite a bit that deals with. Um, uh, perhaps the topic of honesty, right? Um, uh, and I think that's a good topic to, uh, to bear in mind. So what was it? Verse 28, uh, a false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure, right? Um, that, uh, uh, you know, you have this maybe Eighth Commandment stuff that, uh, that you have uh, perhaps purity of doctrine uh, going on there as well, uh, that's that you have uh, this this call to be honest in your dealings, not to defame your neighbor. Um, uh, with that, you get uh, uh, where where was I? Uh, you get uh, verses fourteen and fifteen that we read before the break um, uh, about bribery, dishonest uh, behavior there. So a gift in secret averts the avenger, uh, and a concealed bribe strong wrath. But when justice is done, it's a joy to the righteous, right? So uh, you have um, maybe those dishonest, under-the-table dealings, and, and yeah, they make life a little bit easier at the moment, but uh, what's coming? Uh, well, there's justice. And, and ultimately, who, who sees through dishonesty, right? Uh, as you looked at um, uh, 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 verse 28, a false witness will perish but the word of a man who hears will endure. Well, who hears and in, uh, who hears and sees through every lie? Um, who hears and sees through every unjust uh, activity? Uh, who hears and sees through every bit of false witness born? Uh, but but God Himself, uh, and He sees through every bit of it, um, uh, and and ultimately. Uh, he will do what is just. Uh, uh, ultimately, he will carry all that to its completion, uh, uh, where he will he will judge the hearts of men, as we saw before. Um, and I think that also then applies to uh, once again having the fear of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those the matter of of honesty, dishonesty in verse twenty eight. It's a matter of of speech. But honesty, dishonesty is is definitely a, a big theme in the book of Proverbs. And anytime it, it comes up, I think there's always a, a bit of a tension. Uh, for some other reason, this touches on, on themes we picked up previously, and I think themes we can pick up going forward with verses 30 and 31, mm-hmm. that, you know, a false witness will perish. Well, not always, <laughs> at, at least not in yeah. this life. You know, we we don't always see. And, and for example, verses 14 and 15 that you brought up again to our attention, you know, sometimes that like the gift in secret does avert the anger and the concealed bribe does avert strong wrath. It seems that there is a benefit to bribery or this sort of secret gift to, to doing the 
the things in secret. You think of through the the ninth and tenth commandments concerning coveting, the the scheming that happens with the ninth commandment, and the enticing that happens with the tenth commandment that that maybe people don't see. Sometimes yeah. it seems there is a benefit to this life. But one of the beautiful things about the book of Proverbs is that Solomon gives us the real picture that even though our eyes might see and look and like, oh man, it looks like I'm going to get a great deal if I do this bribe or if I if I lie a little mm-hmm. bit here, I can make it go better for me right now. Solomon reminds us of the truth and more importantly, the one who stands, well, who is the truth? I mean, Jesus Christ, there's the, the Christological reading of the Proverbs again. So, I, I mean, verses like that, I think it, it's always helpful to, to pause and consider how is this true? When is this true? And to recognize that when we don't see it right now, it still remains true because of who Jesus is as the one who's given it to us. Yeah, and um, I and I'm, I'm glad you directed us to verse 30 and 31 here because that's that's really where all of this leads to. Because um, though the fool, um, though the dishonest, though those who practice unrighteousness might prosper in this life, um, uh, God still is going to have the final say. God's going to have the ultimate word, right? And so in verse 31, we have this, no wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord, right? That, um, and maybe, yeah, I think maybe the best way to put this is that those who um, uh, make themselves adversaries of God um, uh, are those actions that are adversarial to God. Though they may prosper for the moment, uh, they will not prosper before the judge of heaven and earth. Um, uh, These things do bear eternal uh, significance. Uh, They do bear eternal um, uh, bearing on our standing before the ultimate judge, right? Uh, As we, you know, look back at uh, 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 verse uh, 2, uh, we see the Lord weighs the heart. The Lord sees the attitudes of the heart. The Lord sees the sinfulness and brokenness of the heart. Um, now, we as Christians, we, we see that. We, we fear the Lord, and we, we live in repentance, right? Uh, uh, we, we, we pray the offertory, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Restore unto me the joy of thine salvation, uh, and cast not thy holy spirit. Spirit from me, uh, we we pray that God continually works and creates a new heart. We have that heart transplant, I guess, uh, uh, where we are given the heart of Christ. We are given our our sins are covered in Christ and His righteousness. Uh, uh, and yet, though it may seem often as uh, we who who fear the Lord and strive after righteousness might be. Uh, failing in this world uh, may not be prospering um, uh, as the rest of the world does. Um, God still has the final say, uh, and though they may avail against our weak flesh and blood, uh, they will not avail against the Lord. Uh, And then I really like verse 31, where it says, The horse is made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. Right? And so you have this... uh, 
uh, image of the horse and the rider. Um, uh, uh, when when a uh, when you think about a knight riding off into battle with his uh, with his great big sword and his lance and uh, uh, charging against the enemy, uh, uh, who gets the credit when the knight wins the victory? Does the horse or the knight? Right. Uh, mm. Well, well the, the knight does. So the horse is made ready for battle, but God got the victory, right? Um, you know, uh, and so once again, you have this image uh, going all the way back maybe to uh, verse 1, uh, that that God is in direct control over the course of history. Jesus has ascended on high. He does sit at the right hand of the Father. Um, and though... Uh, uh, a horse might uh, deviate from the path every once in a while. The, the horse may kick and buck against the rider from time to time, right? Um, the Lord still has the victory. Uh, that as the world might uh, reel um, against the one who uh, indeed is Lord and sovereign, uh, God still uh is in control over his creation. He is the Lord of his creation. Jesus still rules over the creation for the good and out of love for his church um, and uh, his elect as we live here in this world that might might kick against uh, and buck, try to buck off the writer, and yet still God is sovereign Lord. The, the wonderful thing about verse 31, I think, is that it, it protects us from you know, falling off the horse <laughs> on on <laughs> either side, so so we we yeah. could we could fall off the and I think I think this is really going to help tie some of these things together here at the end. The we we could fall off on the side of of laziness when we hear mm-hmm. the victory belongs to the Lord. So I'm not going to do anything. Well, no, that that's not it either. Right, the horse is made ready for the day of battle. The fact that the victory belongs to the Lord actually spurs us toward diligent work mm-hmm. in these various matters. It also, though, protects us from falling off on the side of of worry. The, the horse is made ready for the day of battle. I, I might think that it depends on me, that, that I've got to do it. And, and instead, the Lord says, no, the victory is, is mine. And I think it, it puts us squarely in the position where the Lord wants us to be, which is the position of, of faith, knowing that it... Mm-hmm that it all comes from him, that everything relies on him, that he is the king over all, ruling over everything for the sake of his people, the church. And and in that spot, what do we do? Well, we, we rejoice in the work, in the things that he has given us, not as if it depended upon us, but because it's, it's the Lord's gift. And I, I really think that that last verse then helps to to hold these, all of these things together and put us in that proper perspective, which again, for the language of the book of Proverbs, is the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. Yeah. Pastor Dan, we've got about four and a half minutes here to wrap everything up. Yeah, okay. Uh, and so maybe thinking about that final analogy, uh, thinking about maybe the course of human events, um, uh, being able to recognize uh, wisdom and foolishness um, in the little uh, footnote for this verse in uh, the, the Lutheran Study Bible, they've got a really great little Luther quote uh, where it talks about how history um, is nothing else than a demonstration of God's rule and power. So uh, uh, Martin Luther, he writes, histories are nothing else 
than a demonstration, recollection, and sign of the divine action and judgment, how he upholds, rules, obstructs, prospers, punishment, punishes, and honors the world, and especially men, each according to his just desert, evil or good, right? Um, and so uh, maybe one of the things I do want to, to point out here is that there is um, uh, uh, there is the, the way of wisdom and there is the way of falling. Uh, and the way of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. It's the life of faith, right? That uh, you just very wonderfully described. Uh, uh, it's, it's not this life uh, that we, we, we fall off on the one side uh, in complete worry over all things. Uh, it's not the other side where we um, uh, 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 maybe say, I'm so faithful, I'm lazy, right, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, type of thing. Uh, but uh, so you have this, the, the way of wisdom. It, it's the way of Christ. It's trusting in Christ. It's living under Christ. Um, it's having Christ as, as as Lord and justifier, um, but then there is the way of the fool. Um, and though it may seem like uh, foolishness and folly um, uh, prospers in this world, uh, uh, you know, and uh, I, you know, I, I don't have a Twitter account, but every time I seem to see something on Twitter, that kind of demonstrates the point for me. Um, now that uh, that. Uh, people are often very foolish. Uh, you know, that way does lead to destruction. Uh, that way does lead to judgment. Um, uh, that is the way of the defiled heart and sin. Uh, and uh, um, uh, God has called us in Christ uh, not to be fools, um, but to be wise unto salvation. And though we might seem like fools to the world uh, as uh um, St. Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, uh, uh, we have the wisdom of God. We have Christ as our Savior, we have Christ as our justifier, uh, and in that we can take great comfort. Pastor Jacob Dandy is the pastor at Zion Lutheran Church and School in Terrabella, California, helping us this morning with Proverbs chapter 21, verses 1 through 31. Pastor Dandy, thanks for being our guest again today on Sharper Iron. Yeah, thank you. I'm your host here on Sharper Iron, Pastor Timothy Apple of Grace Lutheran Church in Smithville, Texas. Thanks for spending the morning with us looking at wisdom, who is Christ our Lord. Talk to you again next week.